Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bard's Backlog, the ever-growing catalog of video games inducted into the Hall of Games. I'm your host, Josh, and joining me as always is Jared the Casual. We are here as the gatekeepers and subsequent executioners of any video game candidates, including today's. Write into us. Our email is askvgb at gmail.com. Have not had someone take us up on that recently, at least as far as I believe. I'm going to double check real quick. Let's see what's going on here. Of course, you can support the podcast by giving our social media posts a like, uh, following us there or on uh, whatever platform that may be. I think I uh, primarily use right now, not even Instagram with this, but Twitter and Facebook. I'll post there as well. Uh, Those are good places to follow. And then, of course, uh, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or any of those platforms that do offer five stars. Always fantastic to help out in that way. And nope, we don't have any emails either. So uh, askvgb at gmail.com if you feel so inclined. Last time, Jared, we talked about Metroid Dread. It had been a while since we had previously recorded, and it was right before the Christmas break. So good timing. And now getting into 2022, we are... Starting off on a good note, I guess, by getting this episode in. So hopefully we can continue the trend. How was your break, Jared, before we get into the craziness of the episode? It was um it was really good. I am uh so I don't know, would you con I don't know if you consider it a break per se. I'm not sure if you're working or not. Yeah, no, I never stopped working. Um we were open on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, uh all the way through no limited hours. The only uh, we worked on Christmas Eve, but we closed at 9 p.m., um, so, you know, an hour earlier than normal. Um, but, uh, you know, a whole hour, wow. No, I worked all the way through, but uh, did get sick a couple days ago. Um, Lucy has COVID, and uh, so I, I probably also got it as well. Um, for me, it was like, hey. Did you guys immediately isolate? No. Uh, for me, <laughs> I'll probably annoy some people, but we didn't know we had it. I thought I was getting a cold. Because, you know, at my work, people were testing negative. So, sure. so I thought I was getting a cold and, um, you know, kind of, you know, just seasonal. We're all out of our routine, you yeah. know, and whatever else. Yeah. And I'm slamming vitamins and still going to work and stuff. And, you know, you know, I haven't dealing with headaches and whatever else. Turns out it was probably COVID, Omicron. It was very mild, much uh, easier than the first time I had it back in 2020, yeah. which was kind of bedrid me for about a day and a half two days somewhere in there, but this time I just worked right through and it was, you know, it slipped under the radar because Omicron's a lot more like a cold and your typical flu stuff than anything else. So, you know, Jared, I, I think it's time. I'm, I'm feeling some COVID talk coming on. It's been a while, especially on the podcast. Sure. Discussed it. I remember when it first started, we were like talking about it all the time and it's just become the background noise at this point. But, yeah. So yeah. you think you had, I'd say Omicron. I don't know if that's the correct way to say or Omicron. Yeah. Omicron, Omicron, Megatron. Uh, can you all... tell that? Like, does it indicate that on your test? I don't know, actually. I, I think it 
just said test positive for COVID-19. So, I mean, mm. maybe maybe I had the common cold and because I didn't get a test. Um, yeah. But because, you know, Lucy and I are together so often, I just assume that like, you know, it is it is what it is. But, yep. but if I just season, got a common cold, season. right, right. But she had a fever and I did not have a fever. So it's like, I, I don't know, maybe we had something different. Maybe she got the original Kofefe, COVID-19, and uh, <laughs> and I just ended up with a cold, you know what I mean? So it just, yeah. you know, stuff going around this time of year anyway. So, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I worked all the way through. Break wasn't really too much of a break, but um, I don't know. Is, is COVID all around you down there? Definitely. It's definitely yeah. everywhere right now, dude. Um, and I'm not worried about myself just because I got the uh, sequel uh, this fall in Delta. Got me some Delta in the fall, so mm-hmm. and that put me on my butt like that. Like you said, <clears throat> what day and a half? I was out for like four days, four or five mm-hmm. days, just wiped, lost like ten pounds, couldn't keep anything down. It was rough. It was not yeah. good. Like I was so sick. It was the most sick I've definitely been in a very, very long time. Yeah. So since then, I'm not too worried about Omicron and this winter because we should have antibodies for a little while at least. Yeah. So not too stressed, but I am starting to worry about this whole Supreme court thing. Uh, the OSHA mandate potentially going into effect. My employer just sent out an email saying like, we're watching it very closely, but be ready basically. So wait, be ready for what? Be ready to get the jab. Like or get fired. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, so they're uh, they're bending to the will. Mm. Very interesting, but not my decision to make. The reality of it all is just tiring me out. Yes, it's just the, yes. it's just everywhere. You yeah, know? I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah, I didn't realize it was going to be a trilogy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, most people, you know, it's funny, not that I'm necessarily claiming I or you are depressed, but most of the time when depressed or sad or weary people say, I'm tired, they don't, I mean, they may mean physically, but that's not really, no one's just tired all the time. If you can sleep, you know, you're often rested for a little bit and then you need sleep again, but but that's not what they mean. I think when you say you're tired and I say I'm tired, what we mean is I'm just tired of the silliness. <laughs> Uh, tired of the uncertainty, tired of uh, the back and forth, tired of the um, politics a lot of the time. So it just is exhausting, man. It is like it's not. It's not even about the politics of it all. It's like everywhere. But like I'm, I'm at the same time, I'm feeling like a COVID talk. It's just crazy, and it's something everybody has in common. So it's such an easy conversation mm-hmm. to have with someone, you know. And yeah, it's. It's exhausting. Oh, well, it is what it is. Such is life. Very interesting times. People have gotten used to so many new norms so quickly. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's the human race. They've always been adaptable. And we right. have adapted. So, anyway, let's jump into our episode here. Of course, this is Bard's Backlog. Uh, back into the fun stuff, uh, talking about video games here. Uh, last time we talked about Metroid Dread. I'm not sure if I mentioned that. Did I mention that? You uh, did, yeah. Nonetheless, great episode, so go back and check that one out. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about the games we 
playing. Jared, I see that you have Shadow of the Colossus on here, and I also see it ahead in our award ceremonies. I didn't mention this, but we are going to be doing our Game of the Year awards for 2021. That's what this episode's about. If you click on the title, that is obvious, but just wanted to mention that. And uh, yeah, t- tell me about it. Tell- what's going on with the... Did you- are you completely finished with the game? Um, well, it depends on what you mean by completely finished. I, uh, I am currently working through hard time attack mode. Um, I beat it once, once, and I started a new game plus, and then I just launched right into the um, time attacks, beat them all on normal, and then now I'm beating them all on hard. And uh, it's a mix between. So my final consensus, uh, you know, I'll sum it up. My final consensus on Shadow of the Colossus is that it's it's a beautiful idea, and definitely, definitely needs either a sequel or a touch up or a remake or something because. Even the touch-up to the original, which is what I'm playing, is not nearly what it could be. Uh, it's clunky. Mm. It's old game is old, as Josh likes to say. I, you know how many times <laughs> I say that phrase to myself when I encounter tedious difficulty because a game is stupidly old? Um, I, told, or, I, I, I gave you a warning text. I can go and snapshot it right now. Oh, no, I saying, no, I remember like, the warning text. Look, but but the when, game we were, beautiful, when we were but. viciously debating the Dark Souls... Uh, issues i you just said look man old game is old and i hated you for it because you made sense but but uh that's what i keep telling myself anytime i play an old game and it gives me difficulty so uh that is what it is i i really love the concept i love the awe i love the vibes i love the pheromones i love all of that stuff uh but it definitely needs some touch up it definitely needs some acceleration some more depth uh some complexity for sure uh and uh yeah but it in, all, in other words, it needs a, a bigger, badder sequel. You know, um, one of the games that I will eventually get to is God of War, uh, and I'm going to start that whole series. PS5. Uh, oh, did I? Oh my! I, I haven't told our listeners I bought a PS5. So for yes, me, the Jared, whole world yes. of PlayStation. How did we forget to mention? Exactly. Yeah, the whole world of PlayStation exclusives has been unlocked for me. So I'm like a child in a toy store. I've probably bought six games in the last week and a half because of that so i'm super excited to get into all of them really you know um uh shadow of the colossus was the first one i touched bloodborne i already purchased that uh super excited about god of war series uncharted and horizon uh both zero dawn and the new one coming out so i am psyched do you like superhero games i do i would also suggest infamous then for that Okay. That's a good one. That's a fun one. And it's not too difficult. It's beautiful still. It's a launch PS4 game, but it still holds up and it is fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. So my suggestion there. Yeah. Okay. Jared, you did ask me this question when I got the PS5. So I want to ask you the same question. Is it as life changing as the ads make it out to be? (sighs) You know, I think. So it, I think it would be if I wasn't a casual, you know what I mean? So I, you've got to, you've got to really understand that 
Now, the bundle, the purchase was worth it, I think. Just on the face of it seems to be three games, Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, I forgot about it. Ghost of Tsushima was included in the bundle that I bought. So I got mm. the PlayStation 5, two controllers, three games, uh, and uh, a GameStop gift card for 50 bucks. So that was the whole bundle, and, uh, and it cost me about... With the war, with a year long warranty on it, it cost me like nine fifty, which is a lot. That's a huge, you know, that's a chunk of change. But uh, I think worth it next gen, and I think it would be more worth it too if I also had. Um, I mean, I have a four K TV, but if I had a big eight K TV, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, that's what this console is capable of. So I think Absolutely. it would be even more worth it if I had a massive seventy five inch wall mount. You know what I mean? So in a couple uh, of years, man. Yes, for those sure. Will be more mainstream. You got it, yeah. And so, so far, I'm liking it. This is my actual, you know, first introduction to PlayStation as something that I own since I was a child from the PlayStation One. You know, after the PlayStation yeah. One, I went GameCube and then Xbox 360, Xbox One, Xbox the, the rest of the way. So, um, uh, this this is my you know welcome home <laughs> from PlayStation <laughs> a little bit. And uh, feeling the nostalgia vibes a little bit. The feel of the control in their hand is good. And, uh, yeah. No, I'm just looking forward to it. Because this, this opens a bigger door than I realized it would open. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? And PlayStation oh, yeah. makes that very clear when you pop into their PlayStation shop. They're like, look, these are the games that only we have. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's good stuff. Um, it's funny that you say uh, infamous. I'll put that on my list. But you you have a bunch of uh, 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 dark words on your games we play. And I just noticed that infamous, dishonored, blasphemous. <laughs> Shadow Complex. Tell me about the games you're playing, Josh. That's hilarious that you bring up Dark Words. Yeah, that's just uh, that's uh, video games sometimes. They got to pick that badass word, you know? Yeah, they do. <laughs> so these are the games that I have listed here. The three you just rattled off are the ones that I played over break, and mm-hmm. I am finished with all of them. And by finished, I don't mean I saw credits on each, but I have put them into the library, and I have checked out other games mm-hmm. after uh, after the break. But... Did want to touch base on each of them. Fantastic, fantastic games. All three. Um, Dishonored. Dishonored is a textbook game on the like stealth genre, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. It is so good. And this is the first one. Like This is their first shot at it. Mm-hmm. They have Dishonored 2. They have all kinds of DLC. Um, they've carried those ideas onto other games. Like They... They've grown so much. This is an older game, and I went back and I picked it up because I've heard about the series, and it was so much fun. I got to, I think, about a third of the way through. I'm not going to finish it. I think if I want another stealth fix, I will just jump into the second game because that's the one I've heard is, is truly the one you got to play. So I got my taste. I got my fill. Yeah. And I put in a solid 10, 12 to 15 hours, so it wasn't anything to you know ignore per se but it was it was fun it was a great time and really cool the different systems that they have the guards are legitimately hard to get around sure and that's cool and your powers are cool and at the start it tells you like hey you can see where you're supposed to go like you have your marker on your screen but there are all kinds of different routes you can take to get there and it's just up to you and your ingenuity and your combination of all your different abilities and tools. And it's great. Great stealth game. Yeah. Very, very well done. Um, so that's I've Dishonored. heard nothing but good things about the Dishonored series. So, Yeah. Yeah. And I've I've heard so much. And I, like, I even met a guy over break that was saying he 
has gone through it and like perfect stealthed it or whatever. I don't know, like did everything as stealthily as possible. I don't know exactly how you do that, but um, <laughs> he, pink, <laughs> he did he that pink thing. You know, so. People love it for that reason, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, it's Pink Panther. Blasphemous is a Metroidvania. And actually, that's unfortunately that's the biggest reason I'm dropping it. I think I've just I've had a lot of Metroidvania this sure, year. This sure. is the year of Metroidvania for me. So, yeah. Blasphemous is just a little bit too much off the top. But I put in probably so I've been playing off and on since I got it in 2020. Um, so I've been finagling with it here and there. But this break, I put in a solid probably 18 hours, and had a great time. It's it's basically metroidvania that wants to be dark souls so you're slashing you can parry you can dodge but it's a 2d plane um it's not as polished as either game it has a really interesting almost like and not anti-catholic but just like a dark catholic vibe sure yeah very very gothic of course but like it's very religious very popular very popular you think american horror story you think the conjuring yeah yeah, so it just has that whole like religion gone wrong vibe going on for it. So that's interesting. You know, it's got it's got a dark aesthetic, and um, that's where the word blasphemous comes in. Okay, it's a reference to religion. Um, but I'm not gonna finish it. The game's obtuse. There's really no story. I was going and finding items and things, but there's nothing really continuing me forward other than the unique feel of the aesthetic and some of the gameplay. So I, I dropped it, but it was a good time. I had a great time with it. Yeah. And, um, I've decided though, like I deleted it and I said, I'm not going to go back to this game. So close the book there. And then shadow complex. I'll spend most of my time talking about this when we get to our awards, but man, shadow complex was such a treat. Another Metroidvania. (laughs) Okay. So, um, adding that to that list, but, uh, one that is, um, iconic historic. I want to talk about why historically this is such an important game and one I had never played before. And I'm kicking myself for never having done so because it was such a good game. So much fun. Um, but we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into the rest of this episode. What about Zelda Skyward Sword, Jared? Have you finished that one? Are you close? I'm close to finishing it. I. Uh, <clears throat> what does that know, mean by close? Where are you? I'm curious. Like, I have specifically. Yeah, I've beaten Garam twice, uh, and I'm just about to do the uh, Dragon Songs, I guess. Um, so okay. that's where I'm at. I, I guess that's two thirds of the way through, but it feels like I've put a lot more time into it. And to be honest with you, that's why I set it down is because it's like, Oh, here's another round of going through those single three areas. <laughs> and I just, I'm sorry. I, you know, breath of the wild, let the genie out of the bottle boss. We're not looking forward to a remake of old games. Although Ocarina of time remade would be beautiful or, you know, wind waker remade would be beautiful. I'm sure the hardcore fans would like that. But when you're talking about the mainstream success of Breath of the Wild, the most that people are excited for is Breath of the Wild 2. Another open world, another big adventure where Link gets a little bit more mobility, a little bit more freedom and control to do as he pleases. And that's, you know, it's just such a hard standard to meet. It's almost an entirely different series and game. Uh, and, and Well, it is an entirely different game, but like... It almost, it's so different, it, it just, it's hard. It, so you're, mm-hmm. you're talking about old Wii motion controls, um, and it would have been forgivable to have such a, a level of um, difficulty on the Wii because the tech was still kind of brand new, should have been tightened up with the Wii U. But on the Switch, it just feels old. It just feels like trying to hack and slash and 
you have to cheese Garaim. Like, he's holding his hand out to block your sword because he's a super baddie. And you have to, like, pretend you're swiping from the left and then flick your wrist around from the right as if you could actually do that in real life. So you, it feels yeah. like, come on, I'm having to cheese the, the big boss? Come on. So that, but, I, but, that was a problem even back on the Wii, that specific boss fight, I remember. Yep standing out because it definitely felt like this wasn't working the way that it was meant to be this is not the right way to do this this is like you know so i i certainly feel like link is a much more limited rigid uh stickler of himself in this game but i (laughs) but i can't help but love the worlds that they create they're beautiful um the flying element is annoying because of the way the controller is too sensitive to be honest like that's all that is that is wrong with that but i love the idea um I don't I I kind of hate some of the cheating in the graphics a little bit like you can't actually launch off of your you know flying bird which is I love that side of things you can't actually launch off your bird into a specific area of town you got to load the area so it's cheating a little bit um but you know it, it is what it is it's fine um I'm enjoying it so far the characters are enjoyable um there's not enough to do in the main area um but uh, you know I don't know. It's it's okay. It's cool. I I really feel like like you and Karina mentioned on the Red Pixel podcast um, that when you heard Skyward Sword was the Zelda game being remade, you were disappointed because you felt like, man, where's our Ocarina of Time? Where's our original Zelda? Where's our Wind Waker? You know, anything like that? You know, so uh, it is what it is. But uh, it's okay. I'll finish it. It just it's kind of disappointing me a little bit. So so a quick comparison here, and we can move on. Between this game and Xenoblade Chronicles, which one do you think looks better? Xenoblade, I think. Okay, I 100% agree. And these games are contemporaries, so it's just, are, it's uh, I guess that crazy means, yeah, to me. That, yeah, but also, the we, main I, played, Nintendo I played the remastered. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, or what I was saying was, it's just crazy to me that that main Nintendo team couldn't hit that same mark that they're off brand japanese team could how about that i don't know yeah yeah you got to think the best of the best you know trying to work on some stuff and it definitely feels old and pixely like it feels like a game a gamecube game that kind of was forced into the wii is really what it feels like Mm. um as opposed to xenoblade you know feeling like a true wii generation game uh and and the remastered the touch-up version of xenoblade is is really what's beautiful. The original I can see being, um, you know, kind of comparative in the graphics context, but as far as like the mechanics being consistent and whatever else, I much prefer Xenoblade as a whole. But, so. but see, Jared, this Skyward Sword version you're playing is the touched up one too. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I you see know? what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I agree in that um, there's a lot wrong with Skyward Sword. And it's funny because you bring up basically all the main sticking points for me my thing with it like the reason i still love it is the story yeah so i, love I hope the story. we push through just for that sake just like yeah. to see it has a great ending and everything so but i totally get why you wouldn't um and you are facing another three trips to the different parts of the land <laughs> so yeah yeah um, have fun anyway let's jump into our default segment
for the default segment, the strange, the bizarre. Let's crack it open and talk about, of course, 2022. We are in now the second year of this wild decade. And Jared, I just want to take a moment and ask you, what are some goals you have? Some some New Year's goals, perhaps, and then um, other ambitions for yeah. this year, things you want to focus on. Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. The it, you know it is a stereotypical question a little bit, but I I will note like a single success from last year was that I had, had dedicated 2021 to a couple goals. One, a physical fitness goal, which I didn't really make, but I also didn't lose any ground either. I kind of plateaued a little bit and stuck around a normal middle ground that I'm not happy with, but I'm not disappointed in. But uh, one of the goals that I wanted to do um, in my interpersonal goals was like just to be more reliable. And I actually do feel like I achieved that. I started my uh, my current job at um, PF Chang's um, in May, and you know, quickly just found myself deciding to be reliable in different situations and saying yes when opportunities arose. And I started as a server, and quickly now I manage uh, and I bartend, and I also um, uh, I serve and I, you know, I do takeout and I do everything. I learning, learning all the skills, saying yes to all the asks. Hey, could you help me here? Yes. Hey, could you help me here? Yes. So, um, you know, it's, I, I, I feel like I actually nailed that goal of being more reliable. And so now it's, uh, I think just time to continue that trend, but, uh, I would like a new buzzword for 2022. I haven't really settled on one, to be honest with you. Uh, I think, um, settled might be the word. Uh, I'd like to get married this year. I'd like to, um, maybe if, uh, the Lord feels like blessing, maybe put a down payment in on a house. I would like to, I'm going to finish up the first half of my master's degree, uh, by September and, uh, hopefully slip into the nice nine to five so I can have 17 children and go from there and, uh, you know, kind of settle down a little bit. Um, I've been moving a lot in the last couple of years, moving all over the place. And I would like to kind of pick a spot, sit for a while. And I don't know, you get this sense that like your life hasn't started yet sometimes. And you got to remember yeah. that like, no, it has, you just gotta, you might be in a phase one of your, the rest of your life, you know, but it has started and you need to take advantage of that and not constantly look at the future. You need to enjoy the present, um, in, in a good way, in a fulfilling way, not some cliche way. So, so I, but I would like to get settled in 2022. I'd like to settle down and kind of like create a nice launching pad for the rest of my life. Does that make sense? So that's, that would probably be the word that I'm shooting for in 2022. How about you, Josh? I like it. I like it. That's great. Yeah. For me this year, I, I want to stay consistent with a lot of the things I was doing this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so staying in shape. I've gotten into shape, but this last month or so has been really bad. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. now I got to get back on top of things. And even before I wasn't at the level that I wanted to be. So still striving, continuing, pushing forward in that. Um, and I think just consistency with everything, consistency with my teaching, with really putting my heart and soul behind it and right. um, being prepared every day. You know, it's it's easy to to put things off and to want to slack and, and phone it in on one day, you know, like on a Tuesday or something. Sure, sure. And then, and then really go, you know, hit the home run and everything on Friday. But I want it every day to be consistent and enjoyable. So just keeping on top of that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I think I'm plugging a lot more. I've got a lot of goals that are oriented toward that. So literally <clears throat> we're going to start, this Saturday with um, just Saturday evenings 
at five o'clock we're both gonna put away our phones and not turn on any tv or anything and do something go out play a game a board game or something yeah and just unplug and that's just gonna be our like away from electronics night yeah um and we're gonna try and do that every saturday we'll see how it goes like it's gonna be a test around this january but um that's something i actively want to do i'm trying to get it off off of twitter um i just got getter so that's kind of a nice alternative right now but it's definitely chock full of conservatives and for that reason i every time i open i'm just like rolling my eyes yeah that is the issue (laughs) but that was the issue too with parlor too yeah for sure for sure all lopsided and one-sided and twitter's definitely has a lot of really good features to it so but it gives me that like alternative when i open my phone and you know just have that itch i can just like pop open get her and then i'm like oh it's boring and i pop back out so um trying to trying to uh mitigate that and then read more i read two books last year and that's something that i should not have had happen i should have read a lot more than that and i purchased a lot more than that last year so i'm like i gotta i gotta put aside i mean i this is a video game podcast so of course i love video games but like i gotta especially like just watching tv shows and and sitting on social media like those are the two things i'm really trying to cut down on to make time for reading and then yeah for the occasional gaming session as well i suppose but um just unplugging a lot more this year and and being consistent in um pursuing i think valuable hobbies i guess you could say things that have returns on their investment so hitting the gym and reading a book is going to give me a little bit more of return on investment than playing smash bros for the evening you know right 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 something like that i guess so that's my 2022 that's my hope and my my ambition good okay let's jump into the game of the year awards Best moment. Get us started off here, Jared. First okay. award, best moment. Tell me, what's yours? All right, my. <laughs> so I went back to look at uh, you know all the all the uh, podcasts, all the episodes that we did this last year, and I'm actually amazed that there are as many as there are because especially towards the end of the year when school started, I felt like man, we just. I stopped talking to you for like, you know, <laughs> what feels like a long time. So you know, we I have think to... our relationship needs that sometimes. Yes, yes, yeah. I need space from you. You need, you definitely need space from me. So um, now it, I, the last game that we, we talked about in 2020 was Smash Bros, I believe. And then we started off 2021 uh, strong with, uh, I don't remember what it was, uh, but, um, but, um, uh, Phoenix Immortals Rising was at the start of last year. Hades was at the start of last year. We talked about, I think, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I could, could be wrong. Uh, did, Anim- yeah. Animal Crossing was the year before that. That was 2020. So I had to kind of like square my head away. 
But considering that Hades was in our talks last year, I kind of consider it as as a part of our wrap-up. And my biggest emotional moment by far was going to be beating Daddy in Hades, <laughs> beating um, <laughs> Hades himself, the the spawn of the underworld, the the big big Kahuna himself, um, in that son to father moment in which, you know, there should be if if father and son are competitors, there should be a moment in which every father is proud that his son has finally surpassed him. Uh, no matter how long that takes, in the case of maybe uh, a, a legend like Jiro and Jiro Sushi, I don't know if you've ever seen that documentary, but the legendary sushi chef in Japan whose restaurant is booked for a year and a half out, you know, his oldest son is waiting, waiting, chomping at the bit to overcome his father and to be better than his dad so his dad will relinquish the control of the restaurant to him. It's an intense relationship and one that comes to bear in a couple of different games, but no better than, and I think, Hades, in which Zagreus finally beats his father for the first time and starts to uncover just a fraction of the truth that it lies beyond dad. And so that was my best moment by far uh, for 2021, for sure. Heck yeah. Great pick. Totally counts, too, because we didn't talk about Hades until 2021. Right. I think I played it over Christmas break. You did, because you tried. Yeah, you tried to make it a game of the year argument for 2020. Yeah. Uh huh. And we just hadn't, you hadn't played it, so we, we hadn't had the conversation. So that definitely counts. That's, that's in that. And I didn't mention this at the top, but all of these awards that we're giving out are based on Jared and my year playing games, not so much what actually came out this year. Right. I know. All kinds of games came out that I, I didn't even get to. So right, these right. are more just the, the things that we dedicated our time to that we want to say, hey, for 2021, for us personally, this is what defined it. Um, so for me, best moment, and and I racked my brain over this. I, I had some great moments this year playing games. But I got to say, just the start of Metroid Dread, yeah. the opening hours of dread because it did everything i wanted it to for a metroid game it it captured the vibe of isolation it gave me the quick pace that mercury steam had proven it could do with samus returns Uh, it added its own twist with the emmys and all of that is introduced to you right at the start and you're just like i was so overwhelmed running through the first door that i cracked open with my gun that like i was still trying to process what emmys were doing and what was even happening i was just so excited i was just running and just so happy with the game uh for those opening hours and then i get into a cadence and um, we talked about this in our podcast but i got used to just how it all worked i kind of figured it out is the way that i explained it and so the the excitement the initial excitement definitely wore off but man just to be back in a, a 2d metroid game in 2021 brand new this year i couldn't ask for a better treat and was definitely exciting definitely exciting so best moment for sure getting back into a series that i absolutely love um would be metroid dread as far as runner-ups go i don't know if we necessarily need to talk about all these in detail but i did want to say the owl fight in sekiro was another moment i was brought up uh just (laughs) sekiro dude so many moments that's what that was one of the games i was like man best moment how do i choose right right (laughs) right crazy crazy times in sekiro um go listen to our podcast about that great great game um and then metroid dread's final hours i also mentioned just because uh Wrapping it up, had some good revelations. Uh, bittersweet when you have that dash. I, I don't. I don't know if I mentioned this, Jared, but when you're like when the whole 
earth is exploding or whatever the base you're in is exploding and you're like running back to your ship that's like classic metroid that happens yeah. in every single game so just like hitting that point and i'm like man it's over yeah you know yeah bittersweet definitely a runner-up for a best moment as well and close did you close write this dark the- souls thing I did, yes, that was me. Okay. Sorry, I, I should have put my initial next to it, but uh, no, no, I, you're good. The, I just can remember the, um, the. For me, a close second was all of the big moments that came with playing my first Dark Souls, my first From Software game, um, and, and all of the frustrations and the hatreds and the fumes <laughs> and the, the the those were good moments for me because like if you're losing if you're dying in a from software game you're doing something right so that was um for sure to me and then diving deep into the lore uh when vatya vidya the you who you've mentioned several times and getting into the richness that is the creator's mind as you play through this just labyrinth of of pain and anguish uh, you know a lot of those really really good moments of of success when you finally beat these stupid bosses after 40 tries you know um <laughs> definitely some great moments in the dark souls as well okay great game for sure um and we might be talking about that a little bit more throughout this podcast most funner most funner being of course the basically most enjoyable game it's probably the better word okay but we're gonna stick with funner uh for mine i said dark souls 3 as the game that i think was just the most enjoyable for me this year it was the culmination of my entire from software playthrough here in the summer and it was the one that i kept going back to after like even when i started to platinum some of the other ones just every now and then i jump into dark souls 3 because it is the quickest of the dark souls games it has probably the best weapons i don't know that could be debatable but it's got some fantastic weapons so much fun the dlc is great and most importantly it has the most active online community yeah and for that reason alone i kept finding myself back in running against a boss with a group trying to invade i was so bad at invading but i just had a great like just had a grand old time (laughs) doing it and like uh, especially once i got used to where things were i could like lure people into groups of enemies and watch them try and run away or whatever and then finish them uh but it's is active too so like you can do that like even in dark souls remastered i know i had a couple people join me in a couple boss fights um and i got invaded once or twice you yep. know and in dark souls 2 there's still some people playing that but in 3 it's a ton of people yeah so like in one example and you have to go through you have to play through the dlc and you have to get to the very end to that last area because that's where all the people that have play through the game are um that's the level that all of them are going to be at so they're all basically there but in that area and i don't want to necessarily spoil it here but you go in and like so many people are connecting and so many people are um what do you call it when you um when you bring in a host um summoning they're, they're summoning each other and it gets crazy so there was one i got summoned into and like four people had invaded this guy and he had just summoned me and one other dude so it was three on four and we were running from them for a while like trying to dodge all the enemies in the map and like we turned at one moment in a pretty tight hallway and we took out one of them and it just like felt good because we even the odds we ended up losing the fight but 
it was just so much fun. That was but like it was something, glorious. <laughs> so it was just something so unique that yeah. I hadn't had in really any of the other Dark Souls games. So for that reason, I, I say it was the most enjoyable. I had a really good time with the online aspects of it. And the game itself is just so well polished, so fast and frenetic compared to especially the first Dark Souls. And so, yeah, playing through it again, I, I had played through it almost to the end. And playing through it again, and then a second time this summer, I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, it was a great game. Yeah. So, that'd be my pick. How about you, Jared? Well, you know, um, for for me, you know, Metroid Dread was super fun. It was uh, obviously the smoothest of almost any title I played. No hiccups, no glitches, no issues. Uh, very straightforward, very layered, and uh, very enjoyable. But But to me... It did kind of lack a little bit of the challenge. So for me, to be honest, the most fun game, while infuriating at times, was Sekiro. For me, playing through Sekiro was um, it was mind-numbing at times. It was exhausting at times. It was so exciting. It was fulfilling. It was uh, godlike. It was uh, creepy as all get out. It scared me to no end at times. Uh, it made me madder than a hornet. It was it was everything for me. It was it was it was all of the emotions, all of the feels, all of the adventures combined with some of the most smooth, three D vertical, aggressive, fast gameplay you could ever play. And uh, to me, it, it represented at least one of the most com you know combat savvy lore savvy games i i've ever played combined with uh, a near infinite world to 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 travel around in in many different ways it did have its weird rough edges at times but man that game was fun and especially after jumping from dark souls remastered right into most funner sekiro it was just like that that whole category is such an easy jump it you know it it would have been like Dark Souls, but then the perfection that is Sekiro, you know, that's why it's the most funner. It's the more funner. It's the it's the better version of that. So I, I that would be my choice for sure. That's a great pick. Such a good pick. Sekiro is definitely a game when it clicks and you can get into that that flow. Oh man, so much fun and addicting. It's addicting. Yes, it too. is. Very yes, addicting. It is. So, great. Yeah. My runner-up, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Mario Party Superstars. Yeah, dude. Fun, enjoyable, great game. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. And then you mentioned Metroid Dread. That's two of our Game of the Year awards. Let's jump on to the third here. Worst Experience. Okay, so this is this is a downer award, okay? This is a, a negative nally. All right, Worst Experience. My Worst Experience this year. And I racked my head about this, Jared. There's a lot. In fact, you can see I listed several runner-ups and i could have kept going but well, i want to hear i want to hear about your runner-ups first like I, I, let's lead up to like <laughs> tell me your thought process and then let's let's launch into the the your final okay all right okay we can do that my runner-ups then <laughs> four worst experience the ones that almost made it that were up there in frustration you know the older i get the more frustration i have in gaming <laughs> i'm I, not I, surprised i, just, I am I'm getting old, man. I don't know. But this year had it had some challenges. At the start of the year, Cyber Shadow. Mm. Whew, tough game. 2D brings in the the energy of those older NES games to perfection. It is so much fun. I do want to put that out there. I played through all the way to the end, but its final boss 
made me want to throw my switch across the room. And I nearly did. And you can ask my wife how many times I clenched my teeth and yelled (laughs) through my clenched teeth because of this guy. My goodness. And I could get through to his third phase just fine, but I never had enough life throughout that third phase. And it was ticking me off. And then I took a couple weeks off from it, tried to go back and it was impossible. It was like, I lost, I lost the mojo. So never ended up finishing cyber shadow and definitely a painful time. The other next runner up here would be fire emblems, school exploration sections. Now, as far as worst experience goes, this isn't so much difficulty and pain as much as it was, oh, it was pain, but in the mind-numbing boredom and annoyance way, <laughs> um, in that it was clunky. I hated running around. I hated trying to deal with that camera the whole time. It always felt like a waste of a day like i'd rather be doing a battle or i'd rather be uh sending my kids to a class for the day or something but it seems so important because you got all those conversations there and yeah. uh sometimes you did some you, or you'd find some quests and stuff so you couldn't skip it but it wasn't fun and it was terrible and the way that you run around is bad and the the awkwardness of the animations is gross and it's a block with a bunch of random spots in different places that they force you to run to and i don't know i would have rather had a nice tight-knit hub or something where i can just talk to my main guys get those conversations i don't think we needed the school at all and I get with the vibe that they're going for, and I, I get that they were trying for something there, but it was disappointing and annoying in that game. It was my least favorite part. I wish that they had done it the way previous Fire Emblems had. Mm. And because it was on console, they they lied to themselves and said that they needed it, and they did not. So definitely not a good experience there. I think you put these other ones, didn't you? I did, yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. I was like, I'll leave those and let's get into now what is truly the worst experience, and that is the great white ape fight in Sekiro. Sekiro, man, it's a game of high highs and some low lows. It will make you question who you are as a person, what you what you want in life, what's important to you. And the Great White Ape fight had me questioning all of these things. Okay, it was, <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it was pushing me to the brink. Okay, I had to stare into the darkness and see my reflection and come to grips with, with myself, Jared, throughout this whole time discussing or trying to fight this stinking Great White Ape. Um, Anybody who's played this game, okay, knows what I'm talking about with this yes, guy. Yeah. And and now that I know how to get him, like now that I put in the hours, okay, and it was training, okay, this was 50 hours of training for me. Okay, it wasn't that long, but it felt like it. So I now know how to get him. So And well earned, too. Okay, I put in the time. But trying to figure that out and the surprises that come with the Great White Ape and the pain and the fear especially the first time you see this thing yeah. it's one of the bigger bosses in the game if not the biggest is it the biggest well the snake wow uh, that doesn't that doesn't count as a 
yeah, boss to me. Yeah, the ape I'm is bigger than... You got the ape, the brown ape. You got headless is fairly large. You have owls. No, yeah, I think he is the biggest, yeah. Yeah. Like size-wise. Yeah, like, Obviously, size-wise, that doesn't yes. necessarily uh, exchange to difficulty all the time. But for me, that intimidation factor definitely played a part. Yeah, man. Um, and he has you running and trying to get away. But yeah, so great white ape. That was the the watershed moment for me with that game. We talked about that in the podcast. Again, give it a listen. Um, and I just wanted to give it a shout out here. Definitely the worst experience. It was after that that I came forth as gold. Okay. But that was the fire that I had to go through in the meantime. So um, great, great game. <laughs> great white ape is fun too. Like I am so glad it's in there for yeah. what it is. It is it's totally Miyazaki, like 100%, because I'll get it. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll just tell you what happens. We we finish out, okay, you, you've you been putting all this time into it, and you beat the stinking ape. And the first time you beat the ape might only be on your fourth, fifth try. You could probably do it if you really focus and, and beat the ape the first time. Um, but then when he falls and you've chopped off his head, as you begin to walk away, he rises from the grave, picks up his head, and turns into a, a sloshy pirate as he attacks you. I don't know what's going on with his movements, but he becomes very wiggly and jiggly, and he gets annoyingly difficult to counter, to figure out how to counter. And after going through the first section, getting that surprise, and then going into the next section of the boss, it's just it's morally degrading, especially the first time. Oh, like, he got me. Like, blood drained from my face. Like, I was like, no. And then it got back up that first time. And I'm, bravo I'm, yeah. to Miyazaki <laughs> for, for that moment. I'm, yeah, but. I'm smiling so big because the gap between when he falls the first time and when he rises and grabs his head and yells at you with his head in his hand has is enough time for you to text a friend that you did it, which is exactly yes. what happened to me. I text Josh and I said, finally, I beat that big fat ape. And then I texted back. I said, nope, no, I didn't. <laughs> and uh, yes. And and for me, there's a limit. To, so the game is actually like, it, it gives you, like every game does this, but it gives you a sense of like what's possible in the game. And up until that point, you're fighting like big samurai. And yeah, they have big weapons, but they're still human beings. You just, you really yeah. don't think like, you're like, yeah, I can parry a sword from a, a human being. Sure. But then you go up against this ape and he pulls the sword that you decapitated with him with out of out of his body or whatever and he starts thro- this massive sword swinging it at you and you're like there's no way I can parry this. And so up until that point if you've cheesed him or whatever you have to wait rotation after rotation wait for the right opening and you go in slash a couple times run away and it's you've cheesed mm-hmm. it up to this point cuz you don't know you just it doesn't seem possible that you can parry him and then once you figure that out you're like oh okay it's so much smoother the second time around but yeah that that learning experience being thrust into the fire like you said that's exactly yeah it can be awful because it's it feels you know you're doing something wrong if you're doing it wrong but you don't know what it is so yeah totally with you what a dirty dirty move yes my goodness from software yeah just thinking about it now i'm getting so heated <laughs> so funny cuz they do it like they that pause is so long. Yes, it is. When you beat him the first time. And it even it even flashes up like the phrase that it gives you when the boss gets defeated. Yep. yep. Which it had not done that before. Oh my goodness. Like even before when you fight um the, the archer guy, 
his name is escaping me but when you're up in the tower and you fight him he has two hits hit bars health bars and then after that he gets a third but and it surprises you with the third but it sets it up like you beat him it goes into a cutscene. you yep. see it all happen and then it gives you context showing oh and you don't actually see the the final boss like finished or whatever right that they right. say on the screen either so it 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 is a bit of a surprise because you go, oh, man, I got to fight him one more time. But it doesn't trick you. But when you get to Great White Ape, it definitely does. It yeah. definitely is trying to get you. And it gets you every time because the guy falls. It shows that you beat the boss. It waits another, like, three or four beats. Okay, you turn around. It's a boss down in a random valley. You don't think he's going to be particularly important. And now he's rising again and turning around. And you see the health bar pop up. And like at the, I remember the first time it happening, I was just like, what what, what, what happened? Like, what, yeah. did I not finish him? Like, what, right. I killed him, right? I chopped his head off. But, <laughs> yeah. And then they mess you up later by throwing two of them at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Man, and from Sekiro. software... that. That's a good segue because from software, my worst experience, well, one of them, it's not the worst because we're going to get to that and that's a whole, oh my goodness. But um, but the, the, the rough edges around from software games come from the fact that it, it's, a, it's a submission tactic from the creators to get you to play a certain way. It's like, no, 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 no. No cheesing, no glitching, none of this stuff. You play our way, you either parry or you die. You either, you know what I'm saying, and and the rough edges around Dark Souls. My first playthrough, especially trying to do a mage the first time through, instead of this typical strength build like everyone else does their first run through, and my intentionally rebellious mindset going into the From Software really just left a dirty taste in my mouth from how disappointing the big boss fights were and how egregiously tedious the the low level guys were swarms were my worst enemy big bosses were a joke and and it was and and that was just because of my play style because of the way that i had done it and trying to get secret items was to me impossible you know the old game comes with a you know old games you have to go buy the game and then once you figure out you don't know everything you have to go buy the the code for the game that's released into a book format, you know, booklet or whatever else that shows you where all the stuff is. And you have to go get that yourself, and then you know where the secret entrances are only because the developer told you where they were. And Dark Souls doesn't have that. He just says, nope, there's a secret thing. If you find it, you find it. No biggie. And it's like, what is with Asian developers? I don't understand. Is this an Asian thing? I don't know. Because Shadow of the Colossus is that way too, but... But anyway, so yeah, and Dark Souls Rough Edges was a bad experience for me. And it, as well as like um, Skyward Sword's motion control, just recently playing it, it's like, oh my gosh, it feels so old. It's so frustrating. It takes away from an otherwise really enjoyable game. But none of this, none of this compares to Fire Emblem. And I don't even have a specific section. The whole game is garbage. I it just the <laughs> worst introduction to a series I've ever had in my life. The the worst character no tedious and pointless dialoguing that doesn't if you choose wrong on some key dialogue moments it won't let you choose otherwise but it gives you the illusion of choice and you can it's like it's it's like dialogue rape. It's seriously it's ridiculous. You can't <laughs> there's a point in the game where this character is like no 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 you need to give me that weapon and you're like no and they're like no 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 you need to give me that weapon. And the game will not let you advance unless you get but it gives you the choice to say no. It's like, don't do that. Just 
give them the, you see what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. So I, I, I hated the whole game. I, I will never recommend that to anyone. In fact, I'm going to tell everyone not to buy it. I'm going to use all 850 followers I have on Twitter to not buy Fire Emblem. It's just the worst all the way around. I hated every bit of it. So uh, I, that was by far my worst experience. Very easiest answer to that category. Jared just took a big dump on someone's favorite game. Yeah, uh, sorry, Devin. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I can't. I can't stand it, man. <laughs> That's a good pick. I mean, I brought it up as well. So we definitely had some issues with Fire Emblem. All right, worst experience. Great White Ape for me. Fire Emblem for Jared. Top story. Jared, what's your top story for 2021? So Lucy and I just got done playing through It Takes Two. And while we really, really enjoyed, uh, I was t- telling her, you know, all these categories for the podcast. And I was like, do I like the story more, the gameplay more? I don't know. And so I ended up choosing like It Takes Two as a runner up to top story because I really just like while I enjoyed it, I also felt like it was predetermined. Like you knew it was going to happen when you played it, you know, cause it just seemed mm-hmm. obvious, you know? So it was a little, not a letdown cause it's enjoyable, but it just had no suspense for me. And so, um, for me, uh, Sekiro was the best combination of action and, and gameplay and story. And I loved the story. I felt it was insanely compelling. It gives you that, like the samurai loyalty, the corruption of politics, uh, the stealth of the shinobi and ninjas and and just this di- complex father-son conflicts and, uh, uh, you know, raging violence, so much different stuff. And for me, the, the best story combined with gameplay and everything else, I really felt like Sekiro nailed it home every single time. It, in no way was anything that I was doing disconnected from the story. Uh, all of it was such a cohesive package even when I was off on a side skirt trying to beat some specific villain, they had a reason for being there. Do you remember the purple ninja down in the well or whatever he was, purple warrior? Yeah. He had a reason for being there. He was looking for this wolf shinobi so he could fight him while his clan was helping to take over the castle. You know, like he, you see what I'm saying? Like he had a reason yeah. to be there. And there was not a single character in Sekiro that took me out of the action uh, and reminded me, oh yeah, I'm just playing some game. Like, there's no purpose to this. No, every single moment was uh, purposeful and, and uh, it was great. So that's, that's why I would say top story goes to Sekiro for me, Josh. Uh, but uh, I see you have a couple things. What was your thought process with, with top story? Tell me about it. Uh, my top story, I'd say, goes to Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yeah, hard good things. I think great, great story. I think both of the Spider-Man games that Insomniac has done have solid stories. Um, and this one being the first full story I've seen of Miles Morales exclusively anyway, I think, I mean, I guess you could say into the spider verse, but that's got like all kinds of Spider-Man in it. So it's kind of cheating. Um, this one being exclusively for Miles Morales, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think the actor's great. Um, he's got that younger vibe that Peter Parker in the game doesn't have and having him grow as a superhero, which is important to me. Like that's something in superhero movies. I'm like, hey, I'm not gonna enjoy this if your character, your superhero, doesn't improve, doesn't grow. You know, either, and honestly, in, on both levels, like uh, as a character, as like um, on the characterization side of things, and then also as a superhero, like right. with their abilities and stuff. Like if they don't get some new thing, like I'm like, meh. 
<laughs> so they do that here with Miles. He he improves on both ends of that, and it's it's got a lot of personal touches. Um, his best friend being a major factor in the story. So it was enjoyably surprising, and I had a great time for every minute of it. And it didn't feel too long. It was the perfect length. So I would say Miles Morales for sure gets top story for me. Uh, a couple of shout outs would be Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, also an Insomniac uh, led thing. And then Dark Souls, the franchise in general. Uh, but I don't know if you can count that as story. That's the question right. I that have is about the question. that one, Jared. Yep. That is the question. I, I think I'd call it more world building. Yeah. I think story? you can you can acknowledge the story elements of Dark Souls. Uh, I, you know the the Lord Flame, the four Soul Flames, or whatever else. Kind of you, you kind of yeah. have to ring the bells. You know, there's a loose, objective like fashion to the game, but it is almost world building more than anything else. You do get yeah. a little bit more story and maybe a tiny bit more lore with Dark Souls Three. Um, you know, the Nameless King being a huge, great character, but. But yeah, actually, I, I would say the the second one is a lot better at giving you an, a true story. There you go. There you go. Personally, I think the second one does a really good job of that. Subverts your expectations a couple times. You actually know what you're doing for the most part, not necessarily why. And that's even a question in the community to this day, like why Dark Souls Two is happening. Yeah. But you know what you're doing, what your purpose is, and there's major changes throughout. Dark Souls 3 doesn't have that as much. You kind of just go and you kill all the different um, uh, Lords of Cinder, and gotcha. that's it. So it's definitely fun. Would you say Bloodborne moments, has but... more story? <sighs> Bloodborne has a lot more cutscenes, and for that reason, you could say yes, but it's confusing. Gotcha. Like I get more confused than anything seeing those cutscenes. <laughs> I have I'm more like, questions than okay. answers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like you've only put me further into the dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have not shed light on anything. Yeah. So but at the same time you are like, oh, I guess this is happening. Or oh, I guess now the world has changed. So like there's progression and in that way I'd say yes, but it's it's a funny thing. I think I think thing. I'd probably say if I had played it already, I'd probably say um, God of War might make this category, but mm. I just haven't gotten there yet. So um, absolutely looking forward to it. If I was not revisiting it, which I did this last fall, I would probably have that on my list too. If it was the first time I played through, right? Yeah, that'd be that'd be up there. Yep, for sure. Next year, maybe we'll favorite see. character. Favorite character here, mine. Okay, from software. Gotta shout him out. Patches. <laughs> Do you know which one? You know which one Patches is, yep, right, Jared? Yep. Yep. This guy shows up in everything. He's in Bloodborne. He's in Dark Souls. I don't think he's in Sekiro. Yeah. Now it just I shows. It just shows that. Uh, uh, what's his face? Who's the creator of Dark Souls? I blanked all of a sudden. Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Wait, is it? Wait, is Miyazaki like? Is that also? There's two Miyazaki. That's so yeah. funny. So it's Ghibli, and then I was because I was almost said Miyazaki, and I was like, no, nah, that's Ghibli. Um, yeah, that's so funny. Uh, uh, no, Miyazaki. Yeah, Miyazaki is an it's, absolute. It's Hidetaka. Hidetaka Miyazaki. Okay, gotcha. And then that's the that's the Dark Souls guy. And then I don't know who uh, Hayo. Hayo, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hayo Miyazaki yeah. is the. Ghibli guy, anyway, yeah, but me, but Dark Souls Miyazaki is such a troll, and so Patches just fits so perfectly. <laughs> he does; he's great, and he he is such a fun character. Once you get used to like 
his presence and you kind of look forward to him in every game like i'm super curious if he pops up in elden ring man i'm so hyped yeah, for dude elden ring, i dude, dude so oh my goodness i'm so hyped for elden ring too dude so hype 2022 anyway the patch's <clears throat> character is just so fun like in the first dark souls he's kind of random and yeah you're like what the heck is up with that guy like yep. how dare he um but it is like such a betrayal it's so much so much fun um in the second one I know he's there. I'm trying to think of when he pops up, but it's a similar thing. And then in the third one, he doesn't, or no, he does show up in the game. So he's, he's so funny because he actually has a whole storyline in the game that's tied with the guy from Katarina. Um, I don't remember if it's Sigward or Sigmeyer. I always get them mixed up. One of them's Dark Souls 1 and the other one's Dark Souls 3. But there's this whole part of Dark Souls 3 where Patches steals Sigmire of Katarina's armor, and you think that you're talking to Sigmire because he, he's, he's in the big onion outfit, but it's, it's actually Patches. And if you go down a particular path, he betrays you, kicks you off, same thing, you know, um, does that every time. So he's just like a funny thing, like a funny character. And he pops up again, spoilers, I'm sorry, Jared, but in Dark Souls 3 in the DLC, he pops up as a surprise character and totally catches people off guard totally caught me off guard but he does the classic thing he kicks you off the ledge um, but at the end when he does it it's like to help you so it's no <laughs> longer to like be cruel so it's like it's just funny because he <laughs> and like lore wise it's crazy dude because in the end of dark souls 3 you go all the way to the end of the world to ring city which is like the end of the dark souls world and patches is there and it's the same character he has not died and he even talks about it like and he alludes to like his past self and how he's trying to change and all this stuff but you don't know it's him because he's covered up you can't see his face um but anyway lore wise that yeah. dude's like a hundred thousand years old yeah. and has is like the only person to actually make it to the end of time it's just he's a beast man that's and so funny top story fun we change our character. minds goes to patches top story <laughs> <laughs> that's great top story patches yeah 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 and then he's in bloodborne too but i'm not going to spoil how he pops up there i'm i'm gonna wait to see how yeah how you i'm respond. gonna play all the from software games eventually i got a lot now that i have the playstation i got a long list bro long list yeah man yeah man uh, favorite character go ahead jared for me zagreus uh, that was an easy choice i mean his his whole development as a character the, the the way his game centers around his development his start to finish his illumination the way he learns about the world and like a petulant child rampages about it sometimes and then in others has zen moments of acceptance and wisdom the way the man can single-handedly please three different intimate partners at the same time. It's, it's a whole... <laughs> he can emotionally be available for everybody. He's an insane individual, but, 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 I, I, I jest, but he is also, like, um, the most, one of the most interesting characters because he feels flawed in a good way, in a fundamental, mm. in a fundamental way. All he has is courage and a little bit of a mean streak, and he gets it from his father, and that's why he hates it. But he also, like, just that conflict and the way he reacts to his dad and, like, Hades himself was was my runner-up, even though I didn't mention him here. But, like, Hades himself and Zagreus, they're dynamic. They're, they're incomplete without each other. But Zagreus himself is such an enjoyable character. His sense of humor, his uh, rivalry uh, with uh, Asterius and the uh, – and uh, uh, um, uh, what's his face – um, it's just good stuff all the way around, and uh, really, really, Zag Zagreus was the easy choice for me, at least. 
Sorry, I can't help you with the name. I'm I'm drawing a blank. Theseus. It's Theseus. Okay. That does, yeah. But Theseus, Josh, yep. the the reason I ran, uh, I said, uh, you know, times two, I gotta vo- I gotta echo what you said because the characters from Undertale are wow. The the compelling nature of the simplicity of their character, the weakness yeah. of monsters versus humans. My goodness, that you you nailed it when you said that. I'm glad you did because I might have kind of bypassed it but the characters in undertale were so compelling so emotional so much fun and it's hard to pick one you know yeah i yeah. almost picked for my favorite patches just edges these guys out but sands and papyrus yeah. i almost put sands and papyrus and just mic dropped and walked away like Absolutely. that's all you need yeah no uh, one would complain great. no one would argue with you <laughs> I, I don't know if you could you know it's, yeah it's a great duo there and then i also want to give a shout out to rivet and kit Great new characters to Ratchet and Clank. Um, so shout out to them as well. All right, Underdog. Got a few more of these awards here. Biggest surprise for this year, 2021. Mine has to go to Shadow Complex. And I brought it up briefly, but Shadow Complex, Jared, essentially, if I had to really boil it down, it's Metroid plus Uncharted. Okay. You're, you're a regular dude, you get caught in a military compound, and you, you Metroidvania your way out, so like you slowly accumulate uh, basically like cutting-edge suit tech, and you get stronger and stronger, but it is such a cool little Metroidvania. It's old now, very old. They, they have a remaster on modern consoles, so that's where I played it, but it came out, I want to say like 2007. Let me double-check this. Um, Shadow Complex release date is it's definitely a um 2009 so I'm a little bit too behind the curve there with that but 2009 is when it came out um, and it is historic and let me tell you why Jared I'll tell you exactly what happened here and I remember when this occurred vaguely this is when I first was getting into the industry but Shadow Complex comes out it's a part of uh, Xbox is Microsoft's push for their new summer game fest where they would have over the course of the summer. This is like back on Xbox 360. Okay, so jump back with me, Jared. Okay. We're in this era where internet is new (laughs) on consoles. (laughs) (laughs) The PlayStation 2, like you could find a way to LAN up and figure it out, but it took so many cords and nobody played online. Right. And now with the PS3 and the Xbox 360, everybody is online gaming. Um. And so in that era, internet's new, everybody's online gaming, shops, the online shops on consoles were brand new as well. PlayStation 3 had its own PlayStation store, the Xbox had their own store, those were growing. And with that comes, really, for the first time, now I think you could say there were a couple on the PS2, I might even be overshooting it though, I don't think there were. For the first time, you could get all digital games. Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, first time that that was even possible. And it was a newfangled thing. And people were like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you go get the disc? You know, you can have it all there. You don't have to download stuff. It won't take up a bunch of space. You know, how many memory cards are you going to need for that? You know, like, what's going to go on with that? Even though we didn't have memory cards at that point. So having this new frontier, really, of, of digital games was was exciting. But nobody had really capitalized on it. Until Shadow Complex, Xbox, Microsoft, they 
put all of their advertising for their summer game fest onto this new idea of digital only games. These are not games that release in a store. They are just on the market on the storefront. I don't know if this was, this was definitely not the first digital only game. There were some that had popped up before this, even on the Wii, but this was Microsoft's big push. This was their time to see if this would sink or swim. And they put forth at the front of this shadow complex. That was going to be their big game. And it was, advertised as a metroidvania type game but it was two-dimensional it's 2d which is weird because at the time everybody wanted cutting edge graphics everybody wanted a bigger and bigger more expansive open world right skyrim right around the corner there yeah um so that's what people are chomping at the bit for and to have this other game smaller digital only only a few hours uh on the store was bizarre but it caught people's hearts like it it caught fire that summer sold out the wazoo and it is considered one of the very first indie games ever to be a success um so it forged the path for digital games for indie games it was one of the first games to be called an indie game before that you didn't really have a word for um, an independent developer because you didn't have them you had a triple a and I guess you could throw a double A in there as well. Um, but all of them were backed by major publishers. You didn't have people right, on the outskirts, right, right, right. small groups doing their own thing. And now with Shadow Complex, you do. And now that door's open. Yeah. So many different games and so yeah. many different developers. And it, you can see that there is success there because even though it's digital only, people bought it and it made a difference in that way. So it's a piece of history in the video game industry. And for that reason, I've always wanted to try it. And I've never gone around to it just because it's it's an older game. You know, there's so many other things to play. And I just, for some reason or another, I had it downloaded for this trip. And at one point, I was stressed out and dishonored, jumped over in the Shadow Complex, and fell in love almost instantly. This was like my kind of game. And I could see why people liked it. And played all the way through it, beat the game, uh, loved every moment. I kept like getting up and wanting to play it. That doesn't happen very often anymore. Sure. Where I'm just like, hey, let's go. Like, let's play this game. And for that reason, it's definitely the biggest surprise this year. Shadow Complex. Shout out. Go ahead, Jared. Take it away. I'm done. <laughs> no, you're good. I like it. I'm all it. talked out. That was good. You get that's where your history your history teacher comes in. I like it. Um the uh, no, you have, but you have to think too. The gatekeeping that comes with having the manufacturing background to make hard copies of a game. I think of all the mm-hmm. lovely little indie games that I've enjoyed on Nintendo Switch that I'd never be able to find a hard copy for. They just, you know, absolutely, yeah. You just two ninety nine on the Nintendo Switch store, and it's beautiful, simple, quick, made with lots of love, lots of passion, very unique niche ideas. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a perfect forerunner. Love your choice. For me, the biggest surprise was this game that came out of nowhere. And really shocked a lot of people because it won Game of the Year uh, for whoever it was. I don't even remember. It wasn't. I don't know. Game if it was, Awards. Yeah. Was it the Game Awards? Yeah. There you go. It wasn't like E3. It was like the Game Awards or something. But uh, Haze Lights. It takes two. And that you know, I was just like, all right, okay. You know, I saw that it beat out Metroid. That's what was making the headlines. Is that it beat Metroid. Um, and I was like, it takes two. What the heck is this? And uh, look it up. It's a co-op game. I was like. Don't you don't have to tell me twice. I went and bought it right away. I said, Lucy, I don't know what this game is, but we're gonna play this game, this co-op game, and we loved it. We don't game together typically. She has her games. Right now she's playing Witcher Wild Hunt. I'm gonna get to that one eventually. And uh, because we just watched season two, which is awesome on Netflix. Highly recommend that series. Definitely one of the best fantasy series 
So sorry for the uh, addendum there. But uh, but It Takes <laughs> Two, uh, fantastic. Highly recommend. You got a friend you like gaming with. This it, It's going to be so simple, so enjoyable, so easy listening, but the video game version of that, easy playing, it's it's fantastic. I absolutely recommend to everyone. Josh, you and Karina absolutely need to play it. Uh, Lucy and I beat it, and I don't remember what time it was, but if you guys can beat our time, we'll buy you a steak dinner. Um, but <laughs> it was it was fantastic. I would highly, 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 highly recommend. The un- it just took me by surprise. Never heard of it. Haze Light. What, who is that? Who? What is Haze Light? I don't know what they do. And uh, the game, the mechanics, the gameplay was so smooth. And uh, really nice graphics, great world, uh, world building, world ideas, complimentary, you know, all that kind of stuff. Anything that you can split into two and think of a game mechanic for, they did it and did it really, really well. So for sure. We are on the tree. We just met the rats. I don't know if you remember that. Part. Yep, I do. Yeah. All right. So you're playing so it. That's we're awesome. out of the shed. Yeah. So not too far. Um, we definitely need to play it more been so busy since we got back and we we had just got it actually upon your recommendation um over winter break so we only put a couple of days of time into it so uh but love it great game for yeah. sure a big surprise this lucy year. Uh, would text me while she was at work and say i can't wait to play it takes two with you later and you know we oh, just we great. just really loved it yeah it was like pulling teeth to get the Karina to start it with me. <laughs> but once she did, she liked it. She had a good time. Uh, so. She's a solo. She likes her Animal Crossing or <laughs> Apex. You know what I mean? So You ain't wrong. You ain't wrong. Uh, quick runners up for me. I just have three. I'll just rattle them off. Uh, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl was a big surprise. Bowser's Fury was also a surprise. And then Streets of Rage 4 was a huge underdog this year. Great game. Pick up Streets of Rage 4 if you got a chance. It's always on sale and it's beautiful. Great game, great game for sure. Um, most disappointing, Jared. Tell me, what was your most disappointing game for 2021? So the tail end of 2021, uh, actually, I've been telling Josh since, you know, I saw him play it for the first time ever that I wanted to play Shadow of the Colossus. He was the first person I ever uh, saw play You're breaking that. my heart, Jared. I know. He was the first you're person my heart. <laughs> that I ever saw play that game, and I was like, what is this game? Because at the time, I was still in love, still in awe over Skyrim, my baby, my love, my mistress. Uh, that was, <laughs> you know, just, uh, that was the ideal game to me. It was perfection incarnate. I was still so in love, I couldn't see its flaws. And this idea of just like a wide open, lonely, hauntingly lonely, empty, devoid of life, cursed, sealed lands where a god has been broken into 16 parts and is incarnate in these representations, these animals, these kind of things, water buffaloes, wild cats, I don't know, half stone, half hoof, half monkey, half snake, half flying, half fish, it's all of it. And so it, you know, this, this, this was the best idea I had heard for a, a solo game. No co-op, no online, nothing, no bells and whistles, just this man versus beast in an incredible fashion. And so my hype for this game, trying to, you know, wrap my mind, never having a PlayStation up until this point, because, you know, like I said, the last PlayStation I owned was a PS1 way back in the the Dizay, and, you know, just Xbox all the way through, Nintendo all the way through, never had access to it. And to finally sit down and play it, and then have to sum it all up with, 
old game is old, man. And it's an uncompleted storyline. And the original version left so many teasers, a hidden dam underneath the ground, underdeveloped, only possible to be seen with a glitch. Why isn't it visible? It's beautiful. It's magnificent. It's huge. That the tower at the very top has a hidden garden above it with like deer and life and fauna and fruit and whatever else. And it's like, what is that doing there? What it just the the remnants of an idea like budget constraints and time restrictions and like you you gave me a half finished product and said well she's beautiful even though you gave me like she doesn't have a face like I you know I could see the potential but I I just didn't after the hype that I gave myself expecting a total package only to play the game and say where where's this what does this do what's the point of this. And then to go online and realize an entire community of you know five thousand pages of Reddit threads to dedicated to finding something more in the game, they firmly fell in love with it so much, only to realize that no, it actually is just surface level. And they patched on a tail end little surprise where you can find these sparkly little things that unlocks one door, goes down into some kind of a basement, and you can like see a throne with a floating sword, and you can kneel at it. That's what they gave a community of 5,000 plus pages long forum threads, uh, ideas and theses on what could possibly be hidden. So much respect for the creator and, you know, data mining. Before the dating data mining was a thing, these people were looking for hidden clues and secrets only to realize that, no, just an unfinished product. What? What? Mm. So much dedication just for kind of nothing. And so... Yeah. And add that, you know, to the fact that some of the mechanics are just tedious. They're just kind of old. Old game is old. It just it yeah. needs a refresher. It needs some makeup. It needs some touch-up. It needs needs a liposuction and a lip fillers. It needs something, man. And so it's, you know, just hype kind of fell flat. That's why I was just expecting near perfection, and I got meh. Uh, don't get me You're wrong. Expecting. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it, but I was expecting S-tier kind of just got yeah. like kind of a b tier so i don't mean any disrespect people i don't i really do like the game it's still worth playing but man so much potential just lost for sure and i think that's why it's not been as it's definitely a game at the time that was legendary yeah. but i think that's why it hasn't stood that test of time yeah you know and and stayed with us even with this update like it just ex- accentuates some of the problems for sure yeah i was just looking into because i was curious what is going on with team eco now and they got disbanded in 2011 so they put out last guardian was their last game and never had plans for a shadow of the colossus follow-up and then the team got disbanded so yeah. Now there is another group of the original designers who have started a new studio, but they don't have any games, and there's nothing that they've said that they're doing either. So, yeah, unfortunate indeed. Have you Shout ever seen? Um, uh, sorry, I feel bad. I keep interrupting you today. Um, no, you're good. The uh, Have you ever seen the The Fault in Our Stars by John Green? I know what it is. No, you I haven't seen it. Is. This that's a story of a girl who uh, is dating. She meets a boy in a, a kind of a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? Disabled individuals anonymous. It's kind of like a group therapy with a bunch of people. Sure. Some are blind. Some have cancer. Some have this. And they Cooper and Lawrence, right? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, Shailene Woodley actually. Um, and oh. so, you know, tear jerk a little story. You know, people. Some people have cancer. Some people die. Some people almost die. Like just 
brutal how difficult life is for the medically ill, the chronically ill, the terminally ill, um, you know, all that different stuff. And, and the, the kind of the cancer culture almost, uh, I say cancer specific, not cancel, but cancer culture. And there, this whole, the, one of the huge moments in that book is when they finally meet her favorite author to ask him, hey, what did you want to do with this character? They feel unfinished. And he says, go away. I don't care. My original love, it's whatever. I made my money. I don't care about that story that I wrote years ago that, that means so much to you. I don't care about it. It's whatever. It's flawed. It was one of my first works. I don't care about it. And it meant so much to her that it meant more to her than it did to the author. And I feel like that's how Shadow mm. of the Colossus feels to me. Except you went into it and were deflated. Yes. You know, it wasn't like you fell further in love. Yeah. So, but I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, most dis- disappointing. For me, the runner-ups would be Axiom Verge 2 and yeah. Kingdom Hearts. I've talked about both of those uh, Kingdom Hearts. I will never play through. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is an old and bad game at this point. Axiom uh, Verge so. 2 just kind of let you down, huh? Just disappointing, man. I almost put this as most disappointing, but it... It's just not the same thing. I think it didn't have that initial hook of mystery. Yeah. It throws you into what I'm assuming, okay, and I haven't looked into this, nor does it necessarily tell you off the top, but I'm assuming it's the world that you go into in the first game, but it's before the Great War that happened with all the robots or whatever. Yeah. So that's what I'm assuming you're in, but there's no excitement. There's no, like in the first one, your character gets pulled into the world and it's like, what's happening? Where am I? Why am I alive? Like the last thing I remember is, I don't even remember what happened. Right. But like right, he was right. in a, I think an accident or something. Um, so it doesn't have any of that. It doesn't have that initial hook. The gameplay is fine, but it was slow. And, and honestly, I didn't give it a ton of time. I think I put it in an hour and a half, perhaps maybe two. And, I just I was disappointed with it. It wasn't what I wanted, and like I said, I'm I'm hardcore Metroidvania out, so that was not helping it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, but my most disappointing, okay, put aside Kingdom Hearts, put aside Axiom Verge. My most disappointing would have to be Paper Mario Origami King. Mm, mm. Oh, I love this series. I've played two of the i guess it's five <gasps> my goodness okay so there's more bad than good here with paper mario now but the two that i've played i've loved it's the first one and super and i've always wanted to play thousand year door i want them to release that at some point i will jump into that if they had that as an option but these last couple games i've avoided of paper mario because i've heard that they're bad color splash and sticker star and now with this one origami king i was hearing a lot of good stuff about it i was hearing good takes and reviews so i was like you know what maybe this is time maybe sure. mario's back yeah. and i got into it and it feels vanilla it feels devoid of character it doesn't seem like they put any effort into it i mean of course they did and people did so i can't necessarily right, right. commit to that like that's it's a little too harsh but man that's the impression that i got and it feels phoned in and there's not exciting character development and there's not all kinds of crazy new zany colorful guys that you meet and the actual fighting system is unnecessarily weird i i don't know how else to explain it like it's it's all on a big circle that you swivel around and it just doesn't work for me i'd rather just have classic jrpg turn-based have all these fun moves and different ways to utilize them 
combat and they don't have that either so i i very quickly jumped out of it will not continue to play paper mario origami king and it was very disappointing to me for sure Mm. all right i'm actually gonna cut this particular category we're gonna jump into multiplayer best multiplayer of 2021 and jared your pick is definitely the correct answer (laughs) yeah well i see i think Um, we're both thinking yeah yeah i see that you know my pick is your runner-up and to be honest yeah (laughs) to be honest your pick would have been my pick so like we can talk about that too but i would like to i would just like to mention that like the most cohesive multiplayer i played this year was it it takes two uh it by far blew me away with how seamlessly it works i mean there is not, you know, it's puzzling in a sense that, you know, you got to figure it out, but like, man, the chemistry, there's so much that you just, you get into a rhythm so much so that it can be unspoken between you and your partner. You really don't even need to talk out loud. You just know what you do, you know what they do. And then you just dance essentially across the playing field Mm. as you use your abilities and you know how to use them. And you're just seamlessly communicating. It was just so much variety. Yes. Yes. And a constant just a renewal that never felt tired. Do you notice that? No. You're like, I was uh-uh. like, oh, that's yeah. a cool way to use that ability. Like I've seen this mechanic in some games, although um, a lot of them, two or three of the mechanics out of like, I don't know, they make you use like 12 of them, were like new, new, new. Like I had never seen that used before in a game. So that was really refreshing. Uh, yeah. You know, ice and cold and stuff. And that that was really fun. That felt like League, that, that little segment there. Um, I really, really enjoyed every way that it forced you to interact with your uh, co-players, co-player, because it's just two. But um, but yeah, a really, really good package of uh, multiplayer right there. But your option, your choice would have been my first choice for sure. Yeah, I think I just give Mario Party Superstars the nod here because it is what I always wanted. Yes. From the series. Dude, like, and especially... we talked about early 2021, Mario Party needed to take it online. We were blown away that it hadn't yet. That's for sure an aspect of it that is uh, should have been there a long time ago oh, yeah. and is um, exciting to see that they have it now. But this game in particular, we have Super Mario Party already on the system. But Mario Party Superstars is what I actually want. I don't want new ones anymore. I think... Like, okay, give me some new boards, but I have been so unimpressed with Mario Parties over the last decade or so. Now, Super, Super Mario Party for the Switch is an exception. That one's fun. And even that one, though, has got some stuff. I'm just like, oh, you know, like, I just wish it had better mini games. I wish that the boards were a little more in depth. But with Mario Party Superstars, you get what you want from Mario Party. It's a company compilation of some of the best maps so they have a ton of really fun maps there's like i guess five is not a ton but it's it's a good handful and then it has all the best mini games as voted by the community exactly so exactly that's key that's crucial so every time that that wheel is turning you're excited oh yeah um everybody's taking their turns you're getting ready to go into that four one v one v one v one or two v two or the three v one Everybody's excited, and you're super excited because you're you're talking to like like for instance, Lucy and I were playing, and I was like, oh, we might land on the Mario Party Five game, and those are the ones that I'm good at. Yeah, that's the game I grew up on, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you get to see them all categorized. The presentation there is flawless. Yes, um, it's so like the word I want to use is like brevity, 
for how its design ideas were like whatever its master design document was was like hey let's streamline this let's make this as accessible as possible and let's get them in and out of the game like as fast as possible like there's no oh, fat yeah. for the most part on this game oh, it's just yeah. the best of the best of mario party it's all there for you four players online modern looks great have at it you yeah. know it's what you want it's it's mario party it's this is Mario Party Ultimate, as far as I'm concerned. Totally with as, you. Like, if you think Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, this is what that is. The board's... So uh, I had to give this particular award to that, but I, I will say I think It Takes Two is probably the correct choice. <laughs> fair enough. But, I, but the, I noticed, too, especially, like, Lucy and I played uh, a, spent a weekend playing every board in Mario Party Superstars, and we loved the Superstars board so much more than uh, yes. the, the, the game... Uh, what's the one that just before this? You know what I mean? Super Super Mario Super Party. Super Mario Party. Yeah, I mean the, the, the those boards are kind of, to be honest with you, subpar in my mind for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, but the boards in Mario Party Superstars are fantastic. They're so Heck so yeah. good. Yeah. So that's what's your key. favorite one? Uh the Boo. Yeah, the the the. Yes, definitely, dude. Oh, it's awesome. It's got such the a haunted mansion's fun. Yeah, for sure. So that's a good one. Yep, great, great game. Definitely. Uh, get it takes two as well. Uh, also awesome for sure all right game of the year it's time let's talk about it jared our games of the year are what that is the question would would you like to go first or would you rather i go first oh you know (laughs) i just here's how we're gonna do it we're gonna do it first our personal picks and then we'll pick an overall podcast game of the year sure so last year, I think we picked Animal Crossing. We for did, which was very fitting, I believe. Uh, I think so. Yeah, we made that choice of uh, a big convenience, I think, and I think it was the right choice. Uh, this year, folks, uh, we, Josh and I don't plan out, we don't script our podcast at all. Uh, everything that no. you're hearing <laughs> is completely fresh, brand new. Uh, it is thoughts on the spot. We don't have any script for this. We have talking points, but that is it. So he, we are going to have to, in you know, live essentially discuss this uh, pick for Bard's Backlog. So I'm excited about it. But my pick for Game of the Year, to me, the, the total package, the best graphics, the best nostalgia, the the uh, big surprise kind of uh, came out of for me at least came out of left field a little bit. Uh, some uh, some introduction to a series that I hadn't previously actually you know ever experienced in this way. Uh, it was great music, great in my opinion character, great plotline, great boss fights, great everything. Metroid Dread. I mean, for me at least, it's the total package. It's Samus who is the uh, femme fatale. She is the female boss master she is she is the bomb diggity it's and it's it's absolutely compelling that she kicks butt in every single way and you get to take part of that journey with her the the use of cutscenes in fights <coughs> pardon me <coughs> the use of cutscenes in fights um fantastic the combat the the speed at which the sheer speed at which you have to play this game uh level up in every way uh, so I I I think Metroid Dread is uh, is is easily my pick of for for game of the year. I think it's a great pick, and definitely in that discussion we're about to have, um, Metroid Dread, awesome awesome game from this year. Okay, and I I, I have 
I have no issues making that our game of the year. I'll just say that right now. Um, but before we get to that, let me give my personal pick. I am going to have to say, for me, again, this is just based on what I play this year, I have to say Dark Souls Remastered. Yeah. Um, the first one. That set me on the journey of the From Software games that I will not soon forget playing through all of them and just how incredible that experience was. But it also is, I think, the most timeless of the pack. It is the man, just the the ideas that it has, the the pinnacle that it reaches in its world design. Like I don't think any other game, at least as far as I can think off the top of my head, has surpassed it since. And it is just everything that you want from a video game. Uh, we've talked about its challenges. We've talked about its, you know, kind of the way that it plays dirty sometimes. And and you can go and listen to our podcast on it. You know, I, I've, I've played through this game a couple of times. This was the first year that I finally beat it. So I have put some painful hours into it so it's not all fun and roses but that doesn't mean that it's not valuable that doesn't mean that it doesn't have something to offer you um and it is an experience you will not soon forget um and it's the most iconic i'd say of the three and so it gets the nod there but really why i would pick this one over two or three or even bloodborne or sekiro both of which are fantastic games in their own right play them all (laughs) you know that's like my main recommendation just play everything that from software does because they are masters in the gaming industry but the reason i picked the first one has to come down to the world it has to come down to its world design um the the tops of an orlando a city of gods down to the depths of i mean you could go to the catacombs or the other depths new londo or or even further uh into the fire why why, am I, why is the name of it escaping me um this demon realm the lava area yeah the demon realm um like there's just so much there and it's so vast and um awe-inspiring in that way and of course you've got the world building and the lore and the item description and stuff that they just commit to and it's got such a vibe to it that other games wish that they had that's dark souls remastered and i can't i can't give it to any other game like for me dark souls remastered is a top three game of all time not just of 2021 so to not put it on as my personal game of the year would be a disgrace to be a disservice. So I have to say it dark souls remastered uh, my personal game of the year, though I have played many great games this year, one of which was Metroid dread. So let's talk about it, Jared. What is our game of the year? And for this particular part of it, okay. I did say for our own that we we're going to pick what we played through. So dark souls. Okay. An older game. I'm counting. But for this, for our official pick, it will be from 2021. So, Metroid Dread is on there. I would also like to nominate It Takes Two. I'd say, okay, hey, the Game Awards could do it. I think we could too. Uh, Ratchet and Clank for sure is up there for me. Any other ones you want to mention, Jared? Um, no, just, just because, like, <clears throat> you're talking about, you know, uh, unfortunately... I'm gonna have to the the list and the potential picks that I you you've, you've mentioned like all great choices and and everything else too. Um, unfortunately, 
there's there's other games that we just didn't have a chance to get to and so i yeah i, I yeah. really don't have you know what i'm saying so like i really don't have anything to add too much because i feel like of the games that we've played this year some of them are old like like for instance i'm not i'm we can talk about maybe what we would toss out at our, bottom line is i have nothing to add i really think that you've kind of summed up and i like our choices to choose from and discuss about so i'll say that okay yeah and and i've not played halo infinite right um so like we can't nominate that yeah i think death loop might be in the conversation yep can't talk about that although i did play dishonored which is from the same developer yep. so and the resident I'd be more evil than happy to that play new loop. the huge resident evil yeah game. Either of, i don't think I, yes. I mean i didn't get a chance to play it so man i don't know why i haven't played through it yet i need to i need to play resident evil 8 yeah um, but yeah, so we're a little limited, uh, to be honest on that front, just because we haven't played them all. Um, but 2021 was not an exciting year. I'm going to be honest when it comes to games, like this was the year you could feel the effects of the pandemic and I'm excited for 2022. Cause it looks like a lot of the things that got affected by the pandemic have been pushed into that year. So this next year should be great, but, uh, 2021, man, I don't know. Yeah. It, it was pretty sparse, pretty sparse throughout the whole time. And to have Metroid Dread as perhaps the the favorite here uh, speaks to that. It really does. You know, we didn't have a, a new mind-blowing open-world game. Um, we didn't have... I mean, Halo Infinite might be that new intense shooter. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't played it. Um, but I know for a fact that Call of Duty was not, yeah. and neither was Battlefield. But yeah. yeah, this year, I don't know. But also too, Halo Halo Infinite almost kind of loses a part of itself because it simply blends into the background of all other battle royales. Halo it was does, Halo yeah. was the OG coagulation, whether you had internet connection or not, and Halo 2 sniping someone in the head from a half a mile away sometimes. <laughs> you know, that was some of the best of the best of the best. And I think you just lost, you lose a little core element of that when you just you know, set Halo Infinite on your shelf next to Apex, next to Call of Duty, next to Battlefield, next to Fortnite, next to Anthem, next to Valorant. You know, come on, man. You just you, you just have, there's so much that they just kind of get lost in the sea of awesomeness. There's no standing out. There's no nothing else. To me, and uh, Dark Souls Remastered, you know, um, being the 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 facelift that it was but also realizing that they didn't need to touch the bones of that game that its greatness stands out that the the infinite mind of the creator and world designed is unparalleled yes 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 but at the same time uh, the more relevant choices would have us lean a little bit towards it takes two would have us lean you know that that hazelight studio is almost like in a shocking two for two, repeats the the vibes of Supergiant and Hades in last year. Hades being a nominee for Game of the Year last year, um, and and almost pulling the win. Though The Last of Us Part Two got it. Well, I mean, what a compelling game that was for sure. And uh, and and obviously Ghost of Tsushima, which is you know something that I haven't gotten to yet. And there's a whole bunch of recency, but I would almost suggest that. Um, the reason why I didn't say Sekiro, though that was the most physically challenging, I suppose, game package of my year in 2021, the reason I chose Dread is because you have the nostalgia of the Samus Aran storyline 
you know, incomplete and with gaps in between games of larger chunks and like the Metroid game that was for the GameCube when they tried to do this 3D thing and it changed it up a little bit. And while that was a cool game, getting back to your roots, and this is why Halo blends in instead of stands out, getting back to your roots of what um, made you great in the first place and just, you know, giving it a little facelift, making it modern while still retaining the timeless aspects of it are, um, you know, that's what makes Metroid Dread so incredible. But at the same token, at the same token, I'd be remiss if I, you know, didn't mention, you know, um, uh, Hades on the tail end, you know, of our, our 20, 20 year into our 2021 year, being yeah. a strong, you know, it's kind of like I feel like Hades got stuck in the middle because I hadn't played it yet, uh, yeah. and I almost want to give it to them too because, it, <laughs> in all honesty, that game made an even bigger impact on me than Sekiro. But I feel like I'm a year too late, and I feel like I owe you an apology. How many times have I said that this year? Where I'm like, Josh, if only I had played it, you would have convinced me, and that would have been the game. Uh, it does feel like it got it got gypped. It got sandwiched, sure. right? Yeah. So you know. I, but but if I did, you know, even even admitting that, I still feel comfortable that Hades will never be, well, I shouldn't say never, but will it will take many, many years for it to be supplanted, if ever, from the Hall of Games. It is such a classic title. But I also don't feel, if we were to give it to It Takes Two or Metroid Dread, I would feel like we'd have a relevant pick as well as a quality pick. I, I wouldn't feel like we'd be sacrificing anything choosing those two games. In, in many ways, uh, uh, It Takes Two took so many of the concepts that we think of in gaming, heat and cold, top and bottom and magnets and poles and, and uh, the, you know, to create, to destroy, complementary, you, know, uh, you know, whatever else. There's a part where you shoot honey on something and then you blow it up. It's explosive honey. Yay. And so, you know, there's, there's a bunch going on there. You know, some of these, you know, uh, fresh life, breathing fresh life in some of the gaming and like these gems stand out uh, in the year of 2021 while we still kind of like Elden Ring got pushed off. Breath of the Wild 2 got pushed off. You know, cyberpunk was a huge disappointment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so all of that stuff, it just makes me wonder. And Hades would be the only regret I have if we weren't to choose it. I feel like Sekiro, it's fine to push it into the past. You know, it was a nominee for 2019's Game of the Year. So, and that's actually the one that won. So, um, I can, you know, among others. So, I, I don't know. It's it's a tough call, but I, I'd be happy either way if we decided either It Takes Two or Metroid Dread. I haven't, I have, full disclosure, I haven't played Ratchet and Clank. I don't have any emotional connection to it. I know you're a big fan of those games. I'm going to get to it eventually. I have it. It's sitting in my living room. I just haven't gotten to it yet. So, I don't know. What do you, I, what do you think, Josh? I've talked a lot. You know, Jared, I think we might be able to find a uh, loophole here okay. in the system. Um, Hades did not come to Sony platforms until August 13th, 2021. Really? So it is a 2021 release Wait, 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 game. wait, 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 wait. <laughs> How is that possible, though? What do you mean? Well, I... I, it was as a nominee for the 2020 Game Awards. It came out on other platforms, uh-huh. so it it's been out. I think it came out on the on the PC in 2018, right? Um, so it had been out for a while. <clears throat> so technically, technically, Jared, if they went by that rule in 2020 by nominating it because it came out on Switch and I think it came out on Xbox too, 
Even though it technically came out in 2018, they nominated it in 2020. Hey, maybe because of that, 2021, we can nominate it because it came <laughs> to the PlayStation 4. Well, that just makes my life harder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. You know, other indie games came out this year that were a ton of fun. I know Karina had a great time playing Kenna, Bridge of Spirits. Um, Little Nightmares 2 came out. I've heard a lot of good things about Loop Hero is one that I've heard death's door was the other and then curse of the dead gods which i think you would like jared because it's basically hades um with a lot of unique twists no story though that's the kind of the drawback um they don't have all the great character interplay that hades does but yeah i mean dude i've loved it takes two i really have um bursting with originality yes yes like if I had to like explain what makes it so special, it's that. It's that like every moment's new. It keeps you on your feet. It's actually cohesive and thought through. It's not broken. It feels like a genuine co-op game in that way. Yeah. Um and just yeah, so much originality. It's having a grand old time. And now I will say the only, like the main reason that I don't want to make a game of the year is because they have that nasty book character. Um, yeah that guy's weird childish yep childish 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 just his design even yeah <laughs> he's just weird looking he's got a butt chin and his arms are above his eyes i just not a big fan of him yeah but it takes two i think certainly deserves to be in this conversation i i'm okay with not talking ratchet and clank honestly as far as the ratchet and clank game goes it's pretty subpar as far as a modern day playstation 5 game it's gorgeous it plays great but it doesn't do anything new. Yeah. And it definitely feels like this was a project they had on the back burner while they were working on Spider-Man. Like that's literally how it feels right. to me, which is unfortunate. Right. So I'm more than happy to take that and take that away. And then Metroid Dread, okay. It's what you want. It's what I wanted, you know? To recapture something akin to Super Metroid is no small feat. Correct. And we deserve to give it a nod there. And but Jared, I th- I say that we subvert expectations. I say we surprise everybody. And I say we make Hades our game of the year for 2021. <laughs> I I don't have a problem with that. I love Hades. <laughs> I love Hades so much. Uh, I I really do. Um, I, as far as which if if we're being honest, I liked Hades more than I liked Metroid Dread. I just felt odd. You know, I felt like we were yanking it from 2020 uh into i mean you played it for the first time this year that is right correct. and i didn't finish it in 2020 i played it for the first several yes. months of this year so for us it would be for sure and and there's always two you know you i gotta i gotta throw this in here there's always this a recency bias you know like when you mm. you're like okay for let's, sure let's think of my 2020 and you're like all right well i mean christmas and thanksgiving were pretty good so i it was a decent year but you forget all the summer or you forget the spring or uh-huh. whatever else and that's certainly not going to happen because Hades uh, and even some other games too. I felt like we had a really strong start to 2021. I really liked Phoenix and Mortals Rising. It doesn't really stand out in any one particular category. Every other game has something that does a little better that than that game does as a whole. But yeah, Hades to me was my first love of 2021 and uh, certainly uh, something that has stuck with me as a, a form of comparison for uh the the rest of the games that i played this year and uh it's 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 flawlessness and perfection and originality and story and heart and soul stand out so much and so i i have zero problem with that i would i would say that while metroid dread 
deserves a huge nod and some huge thumbs up because it 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 pushed its way through with its big Samus shoulders, big round shoulder pads. It pushed its way through battle royales. It pushed its way through you know Resident Evil to take the what many considered the front runner nominee spot. Uh, you know, make Nintendo proud, make you know Japan proud, and return some energy to that series and that franchise. I did enjoy Hades more. I just felt like the 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 it was there. It had everything. It had the X factor. It had the wow. Had, there's no boring moments. Whereas sometimes Dread got a little uh, repetitive, and um, whereas the excitement of Hades, the constant battling, it just I don't know. It never ceased to amaze in the art and the characters. And I could go on and on and on. And listen to that episode if you want to hear us, you know, gush over it. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, I have no problem with that, Josh. I have no problem with that. Okay, I, I say we do it. Uh, game of the year for 2021, Hades. Wow, what an upset. <laughs> <laughs> the Hades Bard's backlog the choice. Uh, yes. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, great year, you know. And honestly, I like years where there's not as many major new releases because then that means I get to catch up on stuff like Dark Souls, you know. Um, put my time and effort there instead of into all the new shiny stuff. Yeah. So... Fun year for me. Honestly, I had a solid 2021. Yeah. Um, it was a good year for me in general. You know, I think if you try to define yourself by the goings on of the world around you, you know, of the news primarily, um, yeah, you're going to be stressed out and miserable and anxious and unhappy. Um, and I had a great year. I really did all year. And and going back and, and looking through these games remind me of all the fun moments I had. So, um, glad that it wrapped up well. Excited for 2022. Um, I'm gonna go play some Hades. Yeah, man. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go play some Hades. I love it. <laughs> and we're co- Josh. We're coming up on uh, just a little look forward here. We're coming up on our at least um, close to the one year anniversary of uh, when we started this podcast. I don't even remember what when it was that you texted. Two year anniversary. Two, what did I say? Sorry, two year. You said one year. Well, right, correct. Sorry, sorry. I'm looking at the dates wrong. T- uh, two year anniversary. Yes, this. Uh, I don't remember. I know we had our first episode in December of nineteen, where I was on there. But it, was it Bard's backlog quite yet? I don't even know. Whatever you want to say. It wasn't. We're no. coming up. You're right. We're coming up on two years, and uh, super excited about that. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a great ride. Looking forward to 2022. We got so much going on. I feel like 2021 was just like kind of the breathe-in moment where everyone realized, all right, let's recuperate from 2020, not do anything too crazy, and we will shoot for an amazing 2022. We're going to launch into the second version of the Roaring Twenties, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, yeah, here we are. we got Elden Ring to look forward to, Breath of the Wild 2, so much other stuff. Super stoked. Heck yeah. Exciting times. It is the best of times and the worst of times. 2020 so looking forward to yeah this year and how it unfolds okay well be sure to tell a friend about the podcast drop us a five-star review check out our past episodes all the different games we talked about for the most part you can hear about throughout this last year's group of episodes so go back check them out see the other details that we brought out that we didn't necessarily have the time to do so here um thank you for taking the time to listen i hope you agree with our decision and if you don't tell us why and until then This is the Video Game Bard and the Casual signing off. Jared, give us a last word. Friends, stay hopeful, stay positive, stay gaming.